0: there's been some very very interesting words and when god pushes the pause button to speak to us the correct response is to open up and allow god to come and do in and through us what he wants to do prophetic word is not just something that that makes us look good or that that we, that we bring so that we can say we heard of the Lord. Prophetic word is when God speaks, he actually pauses to speak to his people. And there's, there's something of us responding to his word in the correct manner. And we had some tender moments at the end you're just singing, Holy, Holy. And as much as that was an awesome place of worship. We could worship God in the same way as we, as we proclaimed His holiness. We can worship Him in, in that same manner by allowing His Word to come. And change us if change is needed. Or allowing His Word to come and encourage us where encouragement is needed. How we respond to the Word is worship. It's not just singing. There are different facets to worship. And there was one stage at the end where Luke was encouraging us to, to say more, more. And um, the picture I got while you were doing it was, you know, when, when people do, I think they call it free diving, when, like when they don't have any bottles or anything. Um, before the guy goes down, he does a funny action where he, where he almost eats or swallows more oxygen he goes. And he, he he just takes in as much as he can. And when you spoke about more, I pictured us doing that in the spirit. Just just, just filling up. Because God's about to do something. Amongst our people. God's about to do stuff amongst us. And, and there's something of the move of God that we don't want to miss. But, but there's something of the infilling of the Spirit. So I'm going to try and sum up or summarize some of those words that came. Um, we had the gift with your name on it. We had the calling to intimacy with, um, at the burning bush. And we had knowing uh, knowing. God calling you by name, but knowing the name of God, so that when He calls you by name, you know exactly what you call to. And, and I wonder sometimes that one specifically had a like, really strong ring in my spirit, is that um, we, do we understand the name of, of Jesus, the power of the name? So we're going to read uh, this all happened quite quickly, in the, uh, so, so I'm going to give you scripture. Um, John 13 John 13 verse 1 So I'm just going to read the scripture and try and and allow just allow the Spirit to come and summarize what, what has happened here because this is such a beautiful moment. We as eldership as we went away to Willamore, we really felt that God is taking us into a season where we will experience the tangible presence of God more intensely. Where we will be a people that that will speak of the Shekinah glory of God, not as a distant thing, not as something of the past, but of something that we really experience in our lifetime. That will be a real personal experience, not just something you read about in books or in revivals, but that we will understand personally and experience what the Shekinah glory of God is. But there's a transition to that. The picture I had for us is almost like a small dog chasing an 18-wheeler truck. And then when the truck actually stops, he doesn't know what to do with it. And that's the danger, that the, the caution that I had is that we might be so so focused on, we want to see his glory come. But when it comes, we wouldn't know what to do because we've just been chasing for the sake of chasing. And I think the transition that God wants to do tonight is to to deal with some things in our lives and to get us ready for what's coming. So just for me, this is something of a follow-up, not an addition to what Andy preached on last night was amazing. And he spoke about this, this overweight guy who just said, feed me. I used to be like that. My wife knows. <laughs> I used to say, feed me. And then there was this Jesus who, who actually broke that, that picture, and he serves. So I'm going to read this portion of Scripture, and then we're just going to highlight a few things. Now, before the, the Feast of the Passover... and that he had come from the Father and was going back to the Father. Rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer, outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured out. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. What jumped out at me there was just the summary of what Andrew said last night. Was we can see easily become a feed-me society, and not a serving society. So that verse, verse four, is verse four of them. Um, says Jesus rose from the supper. He laid out aside his outer garments and he took the towel and wrapped it around his waist. And this is this is to me the the picture. Jesus rose from supper to serve. From the place where I feed myself, I will stop feeding myself in order to serve those around me. Because we are many, many Christians are at the place where they are just feeding and feeding and feeding. Some root, actually, some buckies here because they want to take away some of the stuff that they're feeding on. They're just feeding and feeding, and there's no time, there's no time for serving. I I want to say to you tonight. Never outgrow the basin and the towel. Some of us think, because I've been saved for a while, I don't need to wash others' feet. And I'm not talking about the physical thing. I'm talking about the spiritual meaning of washing other people's feet. Having respect, honor, love, being humble. Taking in the lower place. Some of us think that because I've been saved for so long, I don't, I don't have to, but we should never outgrow the basin and the towel. Jesus proved it here. So let's just look at this verse by verse quickly. It says that Jesus knew that his hour had come. And what we'd like to take you with this, I'm going to give you seven points out of that portion of Scripture. To show you that because Jesus, because his identity was rock solid, who he was, he could serve. That's why he rose and served. And for many of us, we, we battle with identity because we've replaced it with image. And image will never get you to serve because that's too low for you. It's when your identity is in Christ. Then you will rise from the supper to serve. And it starts with, firstly, it starts here with, Jesus knew that his hour had come. And that speaks to calling. It speaks to knowing your calling. That's, that's where you find, where you anchor yourself, is that if there's no, if there's no misunderstanding, or if there's no, uh, what's what I'm looking for, um, doubt about what your calling is, Jesus knew, He's new that His hour has come. And what that does for you is, when you know what you're called to, and, and, and that verse is referring to the fact that He's going to be crucified. When you know what you're called to, you will face adversity with a smile. Adversity won't scare you because you are your identity in God, your identity in Jesus Christ. You know your calling. And tonight, God wants to settle some stuff in some hearts here that we should know our calling. Be secure in that. This, I often say that, I'll say this again. um, This is not the spur. At the spur, you order something that you like. Until the the waiter walks past to somebody else's order and you go, I want that. But this is not the spur. You can't get somebody else's order. What God has dished up for you, that's what you're going to eat. Be secure in your calling. And when you're secure in your calling, then when God calls your name, you know. He says Afghanistan and you go, yes, I'm going to Afghanistan. Wherever that might be. But when you're secure, when you, when you know to what God has called you, it's easy to respond to what He's calling you to. Then you don't resist. Then you don't question, is this God? Or how can this be God? Because you're secure in your calling. What that does for you further is that it says here, While, in verse 2, During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son... To betray him. So Jesus didn't, he wasn't surprised by the betrayal. He knew that Judas betrayed him. He knew when it was put in his heart. So having, being secured in your identity helps you deal with betrayal the way Jesus did, dealt with betrayal. He washed, still washed his feet. Judah, he knew it was in Judas's heart to betray him, but he still washed his feet. And we need to get to that place where even though somebody has betrayed me or somebody's planning to betray me, that I'm so secure in my calling, in, in, my, salvation, in, in, in my salvation, that I'm so secure in who God is in me. That even when I'm betrayed, I don't respond in the same manner. I don't, I don't do unto others what they've done unto me. There's something about, there's something about even washing the one's feet who betrayed you. Like I said, don't make this a physical thing. I don't want to see basins all over here next Sunday and people just washing feet. I'm not talking about the physical thing. I'm talking about positioning yourself with humility and loving despite being betrayed. Sometimes it's just the perception of betrayal. It's not real betrayal. You're just imagining it anyway because you make stuff up as you go along. Sometimes it's that. And we can't, we can't not look at that. Sometimes it's just your imagination. But you blame other people because you're not secure in what God has called you to. The third thing, it says here, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into His hand. That's the next thing Jesus knew. Jesus knew what His Father gave Him. It speaks about authority. He knew His authority. And for us, when we secure in our identity in Christ, that's when we understand authority. You see, some people, even when, they, when they, uh, they want to do stuff, and they want to pray for people to get healed, they want to pray for people to be set free, but they're still battling with their identity in Christ. So they think by screaming louder, the devil's going to respond. No, no. When you scream louder, it's because you don't understand authority. When you're truly, when you truly, uh, when you truly anchored in Christ, in who you are in Christ, you can just speak in a normal tone of voice. Pray for somebody in a normal tone of voice. You can even just get up in the morning and the enemy gets nervous. It should be like that, where, where you get up in the morning and the enemy goes, Oh, he's awake, he's awake. For some of us, it doesn't matter if we wake up in the morning or get up because the enemy is like, no, they're not going to do anything anyway. We need to be, we need to understand authority. And then we find that in our identity in Christ. It says, he knew what the Father gave in his hands. And then he says, and that he came from God. And that speaks to your heritage. Who's your daddy? Knowing, knowing, and I mean, it goes hand in hand with with, with the next one. I'll, I'll just finish that verse. It says, "He came from God and he was going back to God." Knowing your heritage and knowing your destiny. He's coming. He's coming from the Father and he's going back to Him. And and there's something of understanding that. Who's your Father? Where do you come from? On what authority do you stand? And where are you going? If you're not sure about your destiny, if you're not sure about if you're saved, if you're not sure if you will spend eternity with God, how can you pray for other people? How can you minister to other people? You'll be sending them down the wrong track. You need to know where you come from. And you need to know where you're going. You need to be anchored. Your identity in God, your identity in Jesus Christ needs to be settled. It's got to be in place. You can't still wonder because it makes you ineffective. If you wobble on your identity in Christ, you're ineffective. You cannot do what God has called you to do. And then even if, if those gifts... That with your name on it is given to you. And some of us are sitting here and you have been given gifts and you know what those gifts are. But you are sitting and it's if you're tied down, you, you, you kind of have this gulliver effect. We, we, you're this giant but you can't go anywhere because you've been tied down by little sins. And those gifts that God has placed inside of you are not in operation. Those gifts that God has placed inside of you are not in use. Because you've allowed circumstances to tie you down, because you're wobbling in your identity. God has given us Jesus Christ, and in Him is the fullness of God. In Him is the, and when we're in Him, that's ours as well. We can't still wobble in our identity. He rose from supper. So here it is. Because he knew, because he knew his calling, because he understood his authority, because he knew where he was coming from, and he knew where he was going, heritage and destiny, it determined his behavior. All that determined his behavior. It's because of that that, because Jesus understood all of that, the Bible says he rose from supper. He rose from supper and he took his outer garment off. The reason why we don't rise from supper, the reason why we want to eat and eat and eat, is because all those other five points have not been settled in our hearts. We're battling with our identity. So therefore we just feed more. We want more prophetic. We want more of, the, of the, just the, 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 the feeling and the outward manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We want all those things. We want that, but we're not settled in our heart. And that's why we battle to serve because we battle with who we are in Christ. He rose from supper. That I feel is, the, is, the, is where, where Andrew called us last night. So can I ask you, will you rise from just eating, eating, eating? Will you rise above eating and start serving? But you need to settle that in your heart tonight. He rose from, dead. He lay, from supper. He lay aside his outer garments. That's not just a verse to fill the space. He stripped himself of everything that covered him. And there's, a, there's a, in inner rising up, in our rising up from supper, from eating to serving, there's a stripping away and a vulnerability that comes. Because imagine, I mean, imagine I say, okay, I'm going to wash your feet. I start taking my shirt off. And I, I'm like, I know some of you are going to become insecure. I know that. Some of the well-built guys, they're like, oh, how did he manage that, to be built like that under that shirt? <laughs> I mean, if you ever see Luke in tears, that will be the moment. Like, "Ah." Oh. But there's a stripping away of your comfort zone when God calls you to rise from supper to serve. It further says here, um, he, he, took the, uh, yeah, he, he laid aside his outer garments and taking the towel, taking the towel, he tied it around his waist. Taking the towel is Jesus giving his intention to serve. Taking the outer garment off is, is, is the humility, the posture. Taking the towel... Is the intention to serve? Are you ready to take the towel? Some of us are throwing in the towel. Some of us are ready to throw in the towel, but taking the towel is the intention to serve. And it says, He tied it around his waist. And this is the important part of it. Is In the olden days, when you're about to leave, in the olden days, when you're about to, to, run, to walk away from a situation, you would pull up your garment and gird yourself. You tie your garment. That means, I'm out of here. But he didn't tie his garment. He tied the towel. He's committed to serving. He's absolutely committed to serving. To humble himself and wash the feet of his disciples. That is what God is calling us. To rise from supper. To put off the outer garment. To pick up the towel. To tie it around the waist and be totally committed to serving in his kingdom. That's the transition. When we start doing that, his glory cannot do anything else but come. We're going to see stuff. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not just saying this. I am so excited. I, I can't wait. I believe that we're going to see things like we've never seen before. We can experience the manifestation of the presence of God. But we can't be like that dog that when it comes, we don't know what to do with it. It's about now making a commitment to pick up the towel and tie it around your waist because when you do that when you do that you're publicly saying I know who I am in Christ I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me you say I am I can do I am more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus, who strengthens me. You don't have to do the washing of the feet in your own strength. And please, don't do it now as a ritual. Don't become religious. This is not... I haven't given you a recipe to religion. I haven't now said in every how, um, um, com group, in every community. I, I am not saying my, Wednesday night, and, and, and thank God we've got a combined community Wednesday night. Otherwise, some, there would be basins in every community. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't make this a ritual now. Make it a posture of the heart where I'll be humble. And even if you betrayed me, I'm going to wash your feet. Not with hot water. Not, not, like with lukewarm water. I'm not going to burn your feet. But I'll wash it. And I'll wash it with genuine love on the inside. And I've said all that just to say this. That's God's pattern in the Bible. When he said, let us make man to our likeness. God's pattern in the Bible is identity, not image. Image is what we want people to see of us. How we want them to see us. Image is, is that mask that we... That, that we put up so that people can like us. Spiritual image is nothing else than a, 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 a what's it, with, a photoshopped selfie. That, that's what we put up. Many of us, our spiritual lives are photoshopped selfies, the way we want to portray others the way we look. But identity is how God has made you. how God sees you, through his eyes and through his purposes for you. So if you've been if you've been all about your image, let God erase that tonight. Because it's not about image, it's about identity. And the problem is, and here's my concern, is that the devil is all about identity Theft. He steals the true identity who our God has made you and he replaces it with a substituted identity and we, sometimes we are just too happy to accommodate that substituted identity. If it's not of God, don't don't accommodate it. If it's not of God, don't don't hold on to it. Allow God to remove whatever the enemy has substituted in your life whatever is preventing you from operating in the gifts that we have received, whatever is standing in your way to come into the presence of God when He calls you, whatever prevents you from responding or or even knowing that He's calling you, let God remove that today. But there's a responsibility with you to rise from the supper, Put on the towel and serve. Amen.
1: I love when the Holy Spirit is busy taking us on a journey. You know, so many of us want, you know, to go from black to white for an instant sort of change. and God knows that in order to build something that's going to last... He needs to be slow and patient and brick by brick. You know, we started the beginning of the year on a journey and God speaking to us throughout the year about devotion and, and our commitment and coming to Him. Andrew touched on last night about the body and the various parts and how when Chris functions in his gifting, it's not for his own benefit, it's for me. You know, when, when the feet of the body begin to walk, it's not for their own benefit. The feet benefit in no way taking the body from here to there. In fact, a lot of the times it's to its own detriment. And the hand never benefits from, from lifting or carrying or pushing, but yet it does so for the benefit of the body. And as we look at what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, and this is a big encouragement for all of us, is can we as a priesthood be the body of Christ? Can we as a, as a priesthood each fulfill our individual function not envy or covet someone else not try and do things for our own benefit but can we collectively come as a family and go I'm going to fulfill the function that God has given me not even for my own benefit I'll do it for Mike I'll do it for Marius I'll do it for Lee and I think God is wanting to mature us in that way, because it's one thing to be gifted. It's one thing to be talented. I had a beautiful conversation this week with Francois. It was his birthday went two days ago. Happy birthday. But I had a beautiful, I had a beautiful conversation with him, and he was speaking about how God's laid a desire on his heart to preach, but also given him the gifting and the capacity to do so. And he's sort of wondering, you know, when is this going to happen, God? You know, and there's this frustration of, should I push, should I pull back? And there's, there's no black and white. There's no blueprint because, you know, we look at the, we look at the tale of, of, of the stewards with the, with, the, with the talents. And the lazy, foolish steward buries his talent. But then we look at Jesus and Jesus says, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it won't produce any fruit. But, and for some of us, we, 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 we're burying our talents And for some of us, we're going into the ground to die. And it looks the same to the naked eye, but God sees the heart. So in Clarence's teaching on serving, don't do it to be seen for the the portrait and the selfie. Do it because God is doing a work in you and changing you and posturing your heart in such a way that you become a functional part of his body. What happens when a, body begin, when, a, when a part of the body becomes dysfunctional? Well, John 15 touches on that. Jesus actually says if, if a branch doesn't bear any fruit, it gets cut off. And what happens with a part of the body, if you start becoming septic, if you start becoming poison, what is poison? It's pride. What is becoming septic? It's ambition. If God starts to see pride and ambition rise up within you, he's not going to allow you to affect the rest, the rest of the body. He's prepared to cut you off and say, until you're better, you can't function in this. And so many of us have been trapped in that. We've got obvious gifting. We've got obvious passions. God, what about me? I'm running out of time. And God is saying, if you take that seed and bury it, take that seed and bury it and let it die, it'll grow fruit. And for some of us here tonight, we've been grasping and reaching and overambitious, and God is saying, bury that. Play your part. It might be not even a comedy. You might just be in com, but play your part in com. Play your part as a, as a father. Play your part as a brother and a sister. Play your part for many of you in this congregation, you big brothers and sisters and moms and dads to even my kids and other kids. Play your part for the benefit of the body. Let your life no longer be your own. But for some of us tonight, we're taking what God has given us and like the lazy steward, we're burying it. We're burying it. We're not serving. We're just coming to eat. We're just coming to gorge. We're just coming to be fed. We're just coming to receive. And for some of us tonight, we've got to take our talents out of the ground and go, God, I haven't been faithful. I'm sorry. I haven't been faithful. I'm sorry. I've allowed offense and bitterness, I've allowed fatigue, I've grown cold, you gave me this, you gave me these gifts, you gave me th- these talents, you gave me this family, you gave me, you gave me life and yet what I've done with it because I got offended, I got hurt, I felt like I wasn't seen, I felt like I needed platform because of that I've actually buried everything you've given me. Now I want to encourage some of you tonight. Don't just continue on that cycle. Open that up. Get the talents out and say, God, I'm going to start afresh today. I'm bringing these to you today. Open up that place where you've hidden those things the place where you've been hurt, the shame, the guilt, the pain, open it up and say, God, I've only got this much, but I'm still going to use it for you. Does that make sense? And I want to encourage us, really. I do believe that we're entering into a season of the uprising of the priesthood, the equipping and empowering of the body of Christ. That is clearly what even Andrew is saying. You know, and perhaps for a season or at times we've been guilty of the man of God stands up front here and delivers what needs to be delivered and we all take it and go back. But the church is going to reach a a capacity in that. It's going to hit a ceiling in that. And that's not who God has called us to be. So I want to encourage every single one of us. We believe that God is awakening the priesthood We believe that God is calling you back to a place of being a faithful and good steward. Taking those talents that you have, whatever they might be, and applying them into His kingdom. Maybe we need to stop waiting for one or two things to change before we lead worship again. Because the body needs us. Maybe we need to wait for for one or two things to change before I function again, before I do my thing again. It's actually not about you. It's It's not about me. It's about Each other. It's about each other. Can that be a commitment that we make? That from this day forward, step by step, brick by brick, little by little, we start going, God, how can I live my life for others? How can I live my life serving others and use what I have to bring out what Lee has, to support what what Yaku has. Use my gifting in the service of others. Because then we will see the Spirit pour out in this place. Then we'll see revival break out in this place. But at the moment, we're all sitting here going, this little lad of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. And the problem with that is you've got this little light, and you're trying to protect it as if the little wind or anything is going to blow it out. And God is saying, I haven't called you to be a little light. I've called you to be a raging fire sitting on a hill. I've called you to burn in a way that people can't ignore you, that, that people are drawn to you. But this little light of mine. What if we all brought our little light And I gave my little light to Clarence, and he gave his little light to Azalea, and Azalea to Lisa. And before we know it, all of our little lights combined become this fire of revival, this burning first love that Tanya spoke about. And I feel like that's the journey that God has us on. And I'm encouraging every single one of us, awaken body of Christ. Awaken bride of Christ. Awaken priests. Get your talents out of the ground and say, God, I'm going to be faithful with this. Whatever it is, whatever it takes, I'm going to be faithful with this. Is that good? Can we stand and pray together, please? I'm going to do something that I don't think I've seen people do in a long time. And it's uncomfortable, but I believe it's so representative and symbolic of what God is wanting us to do in this season. Could we hold hands? Francois, you come here. I need someone to hold my hand with me. Werner, could you find someone to hold hands with, even if it's yourself? <laughs> Guys, just take a quick look around. This is your family. I love you. <laughs> this is us. This is who God has knit together in a way to make the body of Christ, to reach nations and to impact generations. These are the people. This is the body. Stop depriving others of the gifting in your life because of insecurity and shame or guilt or being self-centered. Let's live our lives for each other. Let's outdo each other in honoring one another, in loving and serving. Can you pray for us?
2: Something that I've been thinking about this whole throughout worship is that the one thing we can, gluttony is a bad thing, unless it's Jesus. It's the one thing that you can never, ever get enough of. The one thing you'll never f- get bloated on. It's the one thing that will never, ever make you feel sick. It's just Jesus. Sure. Lord Jesus, without you, we are filthy broken people, but Lord, you you have done miracles for us, Father. Jesus, you have made a way for us to to become who you created us to be. Father, I pray that we would just, just be in awe and just come back to the place where we realize what you have done for us on the cross, and in that place, Father, we'll be humbled and thankful and we'll worship you, Lord, and we'll serve. We serve not because to serve, but we serve because of you, Jesus. Father, that we realize that because of you, we have been made right, Lord. And because of you, we have family. Because without you, none of us have anything in common. But because of you, Jesus, we are family. Lord help us to stay humble. Like Uncle Walter used to say, mm hmm, aim high, stay low, glorify Jesus. Amen.
1: Let's just give Jesus a shot. Come on, thank you. So, as a priesthood, as a family, can we commit? every single one of us, commit to living your lives for each other, to commit to being sacrificial and seeking the benefit of others, and to outdo one another in honor, in love, and serving. Can we commit to doing that? Are we in for that journey? Are we in for that? Okay. Father, bless us Bless this family, bless this congregation, bless this body, God, with your presence, with your love, with your glory. And as we go forth in this week, I pray that you would be with us, that you would open opportunities for ministry, open opportunities to shine and to share your love and light with the world, Father. Bless and prosper your people. Shine upon them. Let your favor be upon them everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.